I'd just be in a room with some friends and I'd just yell out <laughs> like nudist beachudes. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest organization in all of anime. Hello and welcome back to Imbibe and Anime. My name is Stan and I am joined here by my beautiful co-host, Mott. Greetings, anime casuals and anime fanatics alike. I'm excited to be back again for this new episode. Let's break into it. Yeah, get ready to crap, crack open a fresh episode here. We've got some goodies for you. We are going to be talking about our favorite anime antagonist this week. It's going to be exciting. I'm, re- I'm so ready for it. I know we have like overflowing lists here, or at least myself, <laughs> for this. So I'm really excited to jump into this one yeah it's always difficult when you're making like a top whatever list especially when it comes up like such a broad topic as like all antagonists and all of anime gets a little a little challenging to really pick out the top 10 that you think are the best yeah so we're each we each picked out five between us two so we've got 10 total that we'll be talking about and i think we got some quality picks here you guys are gonna like this one uh, but before we jump into that, what are you drinking over there, Matt? Well, I am continuing my liver cleanse <laughs> and and continuing this trend of wonderful teas. So I have here a nice brew of a rosebush ginger tea. Okay, nice, nice. I, on the other hand, decided to go the opposite direction with my liver, (laughs) and I am drinking some Evan Williams whiskey this time, which is the cheap brand. (laughs) I didn't didn't want to spend a whole lot (laughs) on the whiskey this time. Uh, Combined it with the orange juice yet again, and I did so in... One of my new favorite cups, and you, you'll you recognize this one. Yes, I do. Got it. It's uh, For those of you who can't see this, it's a mug that I got in Atlanta with Mott actually here when we went to the Martin Luther King Memorial Museum. Mug. And it has, yeah, it has, I have a dream in a, like a bunch of different languages, essentially. Uh, I really yeah. like the concept of language in the first place so it's one of my favorite cups i'm glad it was honestly a really cool mug in the um, gift shop that we found there i thought about mm. buying it myself we just had so many mugs to begin with in our kitchen <laughs> that i'm like on a memoriam right now not allowed to buy new mugs i, I collect mugs so i tend not to restrict myself <laughs> i like collecting mugs as well but um amanda and i have a current ongoing mug trend where we're trying to get one mug from every state we visit mm. uh, in the United States. So mm-hmm. that is currently our priority. So those are already 50 plus mugs if you include uh, territories and if you include <laughs> DC. So, and our, we're already a full cabinet with only, I think, 10 states collected. So, ooh, yeah, that's a lot. I need to be restrictive about my mug buying. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but in other news, how have you been this week? What have you been up to? 
Um, I haven't been today's been, this. It's been a funky week. Um, I've heard back from some some job applications with with bad news, which was not always a fun thing to go through. It always happens, mm. but it's it still gets me on occasion. So I felt kind of funky about that to open on some negative news. Wow. Um, <laughs> I, I sorry. feel that. So. Not trying to be a negative Nancy here. Uh, and then also uh, on the high note now. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time playing Civ again. I've been going back into my Civ roots. That's like <laughs> the video game that got me addicted to video games. <laughs> Besides RuneScape. I feel like RuneScape was the original, but then Civ was a close second. So okay. I'm I'm going back to my roots, playing the newer Civ games, and it's it's enjoyable. I've been I've been liking destroying everyone as Queen Victoria, conquering the world. <laughs> I had a religion victory this week, which was my first religion victory, I think, ever. It's proud. It's a good it's a proud moment. Nice. Yeah, I never got into Civ a whole lot. I've played a couple of the games. I never beat any one of them. Um, I think since you like XCOM so much, you would probably like Civ. Yeah, I do have a Civ game on Steam right now, and I just haven't gotten around to playing it. That's so. fair. But there are a lot of games like that on my Steam. <laughs> You know what we should do? We should like have a imbibe and anime play Civ stream. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. But yeah, uh, that's been my week. What about you? Also, not a whole lot of news here. I also had two rejections from jobs that I wanted. Uh, which put me in a funk early in the week. Cheers to that. Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll drink to not getting a job. <laughs> uh, still burning through my savings, but I, I'm doing all right, though. I I went to a friend's birthday party last night, which was really nice. I uh, hey. went up to uh, Nate, Nate and Nathan. I don't know if you know Nathan. Nate and also, Nathan. Yeah, you know Nate. Nathan yeah. was also a beta. He's oh yeah, a I year know. or two I know younger him. than us. Yeah, I know. He's pretty short. Yeah, yeah. He's Filipino. Uh, when, yeah, it was Nathan's birthday, uh, so went up to Seattle, got to spend some time with them, uh, and that was really nice. I had, it's been cool. a month and a half or two since I got to hang out with them. And that was sort of the highlight of my week. Nothing, nothing too extravagant. So, uh, but that's everything for me. So, with that, do you want to jump right into our main topic today? You know, I want to jump into our main topic today. Hell yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay, so this is how we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it just like we did it the last time we did the top five for our listeners. Mm-hmm. So. Stan and I, as he's already explained, we both picked out our lists individually, but then we compared them to make sure that we aren't overlapping at all. So these are 10 original, our opinion combined, top 10 antagonists in all of anime. And we will go back and forth mentioning the antagonist and then also together jointly talking about why both of us like this antagonist if we both have feedback for it. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think we're going to be doing this in any particular order. Uh, it's, the first person we mention isn't necessarily our favorite per se, uh, but we are going to 
we do really like all of these antagonists. Yeah, it's sure. a little it's a little difficult and arbitrary to rank some of these higher than others. I would definitely say some of these antagonists on our lists are ones that I like more than others on these lists. But it's really difficult to say who's number one, who's number ten. So we we didn't go through the trouble of mm-hmm. ranking everybody here in order. Mm-hmm. With that, do you want to lead us off with your first pick for your top five antagonists? Yeah. So I'm going to be going through, uh, I have like one or maybe a couple spoilery ones. So I'll hold those to uh, the latter half of this list. But the first person that I want to bring up is from one of my favorite anime of all time from Psychopath season one only. Makashima. Makashima, I think Shogo might be his like first name. Oh, dude, it's been too long. Don't I ask don't, me. I don't quite remember. But Makashima is hands down the best antagonist within that season. He he is the there, there's sort of two overarching antagonists. Um, but I would say Makashima is by far the best one. And he yeah, he's, he's the type of person who's like pulling the strings from behind the scenes and is he essentially he's a psychopath, uh, which is why which is what makes his character really cool in the show. Just for the fact that the psychopath can't judge him. So he's he's quite literally outside of the law. Uh, which makes his interactions really great to see. I think what entertains me the most about him, and you kind of touched on this too, is because he's kind of outside of the system, outside of the law, he stands for everything that that universe hates. And he stands for everything that also the main character can't get used to. Right? Like the main character in the Mm -hmm. season one of Psychopaths is like at first a stickler to the rules and like a cadet that's like a really what do you call him greenhorn or whatever yeah um, something like that like completely ignorant to the ways of the world quote unquote and like sticks too close to the rules and he absolutely mm-hmm. throws that entire concept out of the window because he just doesn't have a set of rules at all that he can follow yeah and he's that juxtaposition is so much fun to see in that show it's it's really well written in my opinion yeah, he takes an anarchist position and he's trying to dismantle the civil system and the way society works, essentially. And he he starts exposing the flaws of the civil system in the way that, uh, how you were saying, everybody thinks the way this system works is righteous, just 100% accurate, and is the way things should be. And he turns that on his head and exposes it uh, for the evil that it can be kind of thing. So in, in, in a sick, twisted way, he's sort of doing the right thing, maybe. <laughs> uh, sort, maybe that's a little maybe. exaggerated because <laughs> he's a serial killer. <laughs> he, yeah, he the, since he's a psychopath, he doesn't feel empathy so he 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 just doesn't have a problem murdering people (laughs) to get his point across yep (laughs) he's a fun character though i like that you thought of him for this list 
Yeah, I think he's one of the more philosophical antagonists as well. So a lot of the scenes, his most important scenes aren't when he's murdering slash planning to murder someone. It's when he's interacting with the main character and the conversations that he has, not only with the main character, but with the, the uh, I can't remember his name, the other dude who uh, ends up fighting Makashima at the end. Oh, um, uh, Kogami is his name. Ah, okay. Yeah, Kogami is like the the other detective that fell from grace, and Akane is the main character, the female character. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't need to get into any more with him. He is probably in this like top five list. I would put him in my top three probably so starting strong yeah Mm -hmm. all right what about you what's your first choice so the first one i'm gonna bring up uh is a character that i have mentioned before i think he was in my top five list of my top five favorite characters the last time we talked about him as well so it's a little bit of a throwaway character um just because we've mentioned him before but i wanted to point bring up envy from full metal alchemist Ah, yes. Uh, And I mentioned the last time we talked about him on the podcast that he is my favorite antagonist of all time. And that's still true. I I I adore how they created Envy and what he stands for. And just like how just like through and through evil he is. Um, (laughs) I think the thing that makes Envy so fun, and I mentioned this last time, too, but I'll just bring it up again real quick, is the fact that you get to understand the intricacies behind his motives the further it goes into the show in a very interesting way the same way that when you when you see somebody who envies someone else you kind of go through this journey of like at first you're like annoyed by them but eventually if they envy them enough you pity them and you have that same reaction to the character envy and it's it's wonderfully well written Mm-hmm. All of the like all of the homunculi that stand for sins in the show express those sins in very creative ways, but I definitely think Envy's is expressed in the best way. So props yeah. off to him. I also really like Envy's character. Not my favorite homunculi, but maybe my He's second. He's not favorite. my favorite homunculi, but my favorite homunculi isn't my favorite antagonist. Right. I mean, mine's greed. And he's oh, not. I was literally about to say my favorite. <laughs> greed. Damn, dude, we need to get a different co-host on this show. We agree. To <laughs> That's true. Uh, Although I do, I do really like Pride too. I'm not gonna lie. I secondarily, I really like Wrath. I yeah, I like I like Pride for very similar reasons why I would like Wrath, but I think I like Pride more. I'm gonna go with Wrath then. There, we disagree. Okay. There we go. <laughs> Um, another quick shout out is L. Uh, I know that you potentially wanted to bring him up, but we also didn't include him because we had talked about him on our top characters of all time. But yes. when you're on a top characters list, you're also going to be a top antagonist if you're an antagonist. So if for any of you who haven't seen Death Note as well, you should check it out and you should enjoy the being that is L. Yeah, I think his character is super unique in that he's the good guy of the show, but he's Uh, the antagonist. Right. And that's just an unusual stance for an animated take. And I mean, that's not 
the only great thing about him, uh, but it, the dynamic is already flipped on its head, which makes it really intriguing to watch. Agreed. Well, give me your second pick for tonight. All right. Next on my list is from one of my all-time favorite series uh, as a whole, which is JoJo's Bizarre Adventures, the Ooh. meme that is JoJo's. And I decided instead of going with the traditional villain that sort of pops up in every season <laughs> uh, that everybody loves, instead of going with Dio, I decided to go with someone from JoJo's Part 4. And his name is Kira Yoshikage. And he he's the main antagonist in Part 4. Dio doesn't actually show up in that season. But... He's he's really cool because he's he like Makashima, he's a psychopath. Uh he he's a serial killer who has a fetish for disembodied hands. Is is am I using that right? Yeah, you are. <laughs> uh so he 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 collects the hands of women that he kills. And destroys the rest of their body, which is really weird. He's he's got this power that makes things explode on an atomic level, sort of. It's it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's a little difficult to explain. Watch JoJo's. Yeah, it's a special stand power. Um, but I really like his character because of how simplistic he is. So his whole motivation is that he wants to live simply. And he thinks that being able to kill women for their hands is living simply, which is a weird way to go about it. But I almost <laughs> sympathize with how chill of a life he desires. <laughs> we're not, I just want to put this out there. We're not actually praising this guy. We're not psychopaths ourselves. It's kind of sounding like Stan has a fetish for this dude as much as he has a fetish for hands. I okay, that's an exaggeration. Come on. <laughs> Cut me some it's slack. Like, There's a okay, but I'm putting him on my list for a reason. Like he yeah. doesn't have any deep philosophy like Makashima. Uh, he do, he doesn't have any grand motivation like en envy. Uh, he's just a normal guy who wants to live a normal life, but everyone, his normal is serial killing, but he lives like a normal person in this town where he is. So everybody loves him. He, he's sort of the, uh, the nice guy who helps out the old lady crossing the street or do a struggling business type thing. And, and he kills people on the side, you know, normal stuff. He's, I think probably the best way for me to describe him is he's surprisingly down to earth. Yes, which is why you can sympathize with the character, just not with the specific actions that he does. That's, that's why I say you can sympathize with his character. Like he... Yeah. He's, he's like utterly honest with himself. That's and true. With, uh, I would say honest with other people. He he's honest with the people he fights. I will say that he's, he's also 
very honest about the type of person he is. He just knows that killing is illegal. And so he doesn't try to tell anyone about that. Right. And so he, he goes, he's super cautious and careful about how he does it. So he's not discovered and that type of thing. And so I, I, that's why I really like his character as an antagonist. Cause you go through and diamond, the part for diamond is unbreakable is actually really long, which I appreciate. It's like 30 something episodes. Yeah. Sounds and right. He's, he's the main antagonist through the whole story, but you don't, really start seeing him interact with the main characters until midway through. Uh, But even then they don't actually catch him or stop him until the very end type thing. And so there's a lot of tension that you're able to build with him uh, and suspense and that type of thing. So I just think he adds a whole lot to the story itself. Yeah, I agree. Since, he's, since they develop his character for so long. There's so many things you could keep talking to him about, about, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, I also really love the sequence when he like first gets caught and he has to change his appearance. I won't say anything more than that, just because <laughs> that's getting spoiler territory. But you know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I loved his reaction when he's first discovered. It's really interesting to me. And yeah, I, I he, also love watching his devolvement as the show goes on. He he's an incredibly like insecure person. Like he's highly paranoid. Yeah. Uh I, I think the the fact that he has so many flaws, he his stand power, while it is really powerful, I wouldn't call it overpowered. Uh like like Dio who can stop time uh, he doesn't have anything extravagant like that and he, he's just a, a normal person <laughs> for a lack of a better word well shall I share my second one now <laughs> yeah let's move on who you got for us so my number two so I'm, I'm throwing out the characters that we've talked about the show now just to get them out of the way. So I'm going to bring up Askeladd here too. Um, yes. So Askeladd is from Vinland Saga. We've talked about him a lot because we did our Vinland Saga review. We've been mentioning Vinland Saga a few times on a few different episodes. Uh, I think we even brought up Askeladd on a different episode as well. Um, he is a very... I think for the same... This is a nice time to mention him because I think for the same reasons that you like Kira... I I think Asklad is also likable as a antagonist because he is also surprisingly brutal whenever he wants to be, but he's surprisingly honest himself as well. Mm-hmm. So he's also, I think, in some ways, a character that's like down to earth. He has his way of doing things, and that's just how he does it. Um, it's different because he's not like a secret serial killer he's not he doesn't have this weird crazy fetish he's not a psycho like kira is um but all those things that are appealing about kira kind of being in a weird way down to earth i would also say about oscalad the big difference though is with oscalad he is uh, a fascinating like political character to watch in the show yeah his motivation story his goal in the entire season one of Vinland Saga 
is fascinating to see come to fruition and well not really come to fruition because i guess he never really achieves this goal but it's interesting to see his motivations be revealed to the show and to Mm -hmm. see how that leads him i guess well to his own demise kind of yeah that was that was big spoiler don't i (laughs) spoiler alert okay um (laughs) but Maybe I shouldn't have said that. My apologies. <laughs> but he's absolutely fun to watch. And I I think in general, Osclod is one of... M- watching Torfin become obsessed with Osclod is one of the most like fascinating character developments in mm. modern anime. Like there mm-hmm. aren't that many other obsession stories in recent anime titles that I've seen that are as awesome as this one, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's already unusual that Torfin, it's unusual for a main character to be uh, hanging out with and following the main, well, not maybe the main antagonist, but one of the larger antagonists in the series. Like that, that dynamic just doesn't happen. True. In the first place. Well, we've talked about Osclod in plenty of, of, of other episodes as well. So go and watch or listen to those episodes if you have more ideas. Check out our Vinland Saga review if you're curious about Osclod some more. And go watch Vinland Saga. It's and a great go watch series. Vinland Saga. <laughs> you have to watch it now that Matt spoiled it. I mean, I definitely think it's like a top three from 2019. So it, It's my top choice from 2019, if you remember. There you go. So... What well, what is your third choice here? All right, so number three for me, I am choosing someone from kind of an older anime here, uh, and the anime I chose from is called Monster, and this person I chose, his name is Johan Liebert, and he is a tour de force for antagonists. Like he's, he's one of the OG, like what's the word? Psychological antagonists for, I, I don't quite know exactly how to put it. Cause he, he's more philosophical in nature than a lot of just, uh, I don't know how to explain it. The, the reason why, he's so scary is because of his motivation and his ideals, not the fact that he kills people. I would say, I would argue. So I haven't seen a lot of monster. I saw like maybe like 10 episodes before I put it on hold. Cause it was at a really busy time in my life. And I just That's didn't have all a lot of seen? time to watch anime. Yeah. I haven't seen very much of it. I've been wanting to go back and watch it. Um, but from what I have seen of him, he's, I, I get what you're saying and I understand, uh it is hard to put into words i think what makes him fun for me even just at the beginning of the show is i like you understand him but you don't understand him uh you're smiling and laughing because you know what i'm saying (laughs) so uh if i can interject here yeah sure sure (laughs) Uh, I think that is a wonderful way to describe his character. 
because on a surface level, you can sort of see why he's doing what he's doing, but you don't learn about how he became that way slash. Well, I'll just leave it at that. Actually, you you don't really learn about (laughs) how he became that way or why he makes certain decisions you you can only understand the the end point of what he does you can't understand anything leading up to that until you've seen the whole thing because every character even every side character has a role to play and they are all intertwined with the main character the doctor and johan uh, true He's one of those characters, and this might be a slight spoiler for you. I don't That's okay. remember exactly when all this uh, when all this uh, happens where you can see him, but he's one of those characters that, and I guess you could also call him a psychopath. He he has a a, a twisted love for killing. And what I mean by that is his victims tend to be people he's incredibly close to. Like, like he, he'll kill his friends type of thing. And that's how he like builds up a relationship and rapport with someone and then will kill them in a weird way. And it's hard to understand all of his motivation you have a basic surface level understanding of like why he thought this person needed to die, but you don't understand how his killings are all interconnected. And it's, it's really, it's just really cool to watch. I, I can't say anymore without spoiling heavily. Okay. I, after I finish the anime that you've requested me to watch next, I think I'm going to go back to monster. Cause it's been like, it's been sitting on my hold list just like staring at me as I sleep. So I need to go back. The, to the issue with monsters, is it's really slow. It, it starts out really slow. At least it does. It does. And they, I totally agree don't, with you on that. And they don't explain it until later in the series. Like you don't understand that all of these people are interconnected in some way. You, well, just... I don't know if that's entirely true. You understand that they're interconnected. You just don't really get how. Uh, well, that's true. Uh, you also don't see how all these people interact until towards the end because they sort of yeah. are leading their own side stories, but all of the side stories are related and yes. you don't know how they're related until the end. Type In thing. that way, it's kind of similar actually to Dorara. I only bring this up because I've been watching Dorara recently mm. um, and Dorara can be similarly difficult to watch for that reason. But yeah, he I would say of all the people on my list, Johan is probably the scariest villain. He's also the most realistic. Yeah, I actually learned recently that the anime is sort of based on a true story, although they they kind of exaggerate every part of the story. Um <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's not an accurate representation of history, but they take a a real event that happened and put their own spin on it. Essentially, it's a fictional story inspired by true events. Yes. Okay. Well, 
shall I what give my you? next one? Yeah, your third. Um, so the third one I'll bring up. So these are now characters. None of the characters I've mentioned here I think I've ever mentioned on the show, so I'm actually pretty excited to talk about them. The third one for me, number six in total, is Mother from uh, The Promised Neverland. Ah, uh, yes, Mother. So I really like Mother in a lot of ways. This is I almost didn't add her to this list because I didn't think she qualified at first. But then I thought about it and she's not a villain. Which is why I didn't want to include her at first. Um, but she does oppose the, the, the main character's goals. And she is like the obstacle for them to overcome. So in that sense, mm-hmm. she is 100% true and true and antagonist. Right. So that's why I ended up including her. And the thing that makes her so fun in that well i'd say there are two things that make her so fun for me personally in promise neverland the first is ep- just episode one of promise neverland episode one of the promise neverland is quite a shock and then seeing how mother plays into the main storyline of the promise neverland in just episode one is like mind explosion and i won't get too much into it for people who haven't seen promise neverland um but it's like a thriller mystery is pretty much the, the best way to, for me to characterize Promise Neverland. Right. So if that's if that sounds interesting and how I'm talking about Mother now sounds interesting, go ahead and check out Promise Neverland. Um, but that is super fun, just seeing how, that she's involved in this entire situation that the main characters find themselves in. And then... As the season goes on, when you start to learn her philosophy and how she interacts with the students, depending on how much the students know, is extremely fascinating. Like the psychology behind Mother and how she got to where she is that you kind of learn in season one is kind of grotesque, but extremely but extremely sympathetic. And this is kind of a trend with a lot of the characters that we've been mentioning, but really the best antagonists are the antagonists that you, 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 you could never relate to, but you understand. Yeah. Mother's an interesting character for me, just purely based on uh, her dynamic as an antagonist. So even though, uh, and this is sort of minor spoilers that you learn in episode one, uh, but you you learn that she is the main antagonist at the end of the episode, essentially. And it's cool to see her and the main characters be in sort of like a life and death scenario. It, I, I don't quite know how exactly to explain it. They're all cattle children. They're gonna. They're slated to be eaten. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was trying to avoid the, saying it, but it, it happens in episode one. Yeah. It's uh, but so the the fact that they are in this sort of uh, kind of pseudo apocalyptic uh, or like just weird world dynamic where humans aren't at the top of the food chain, the fact that her and the main characters never fight or they never try to actually harm each other. Like that's 
the that's like at the crux of the mind game is they have to outdupe each other without hurting one another. Like mother can't hurt the yeah. cattle children because they have to be in perfect condition to be eaten. Like no broken bones, nothing. Like they even some of the kids even break their own bones just so they cannot be shipped out sooner, kind of thing. Uh, and they and the kids know that they can't harm mother because then they're gonna get the other things to come and like intervene and that type of thing. So they they have to play these mind games in a life or death situation without harming one another. And I think that's such a cool dynamic to see in the first season. Yeah, I totally agree. I think also another really great thing to point about Mother, and this has more to do with Cloverworks and the way that they animated the series in general, is they mm-hmm. do such a good job at... Well, Mother Mother's character is extremely two-faced. Right? She right. puts up this facade for the kids of being like this extremely comforting character that is their mother to take care of them. Um, but then for the kids that understand what's going on, she has an extremely dark extremely like malicious killer face that she kind of portrays that's like this sinister foreboding evil Mm -hmm. atmosphere and the way that they flip-flop between those two faces in the animation as well is so well done oh yeah and it's really cool to see and i think and i i won't i won't go into details about this because this really spoils like the entire episode of the entire season but like in the last episode of the season um the like big closing events at the end of the season mother's facial reaction to it is like the thing that makes it so good and i think the the last like three episodes of the series for season one are so good because of mother yeah i think of all the people on our list mother has the most compelling motivation i agree kind of like what you said her her motivation is malicious but sympathetic uh she's sort of yeah her her position is sort of pigeonholed and she doesn't exactly have any other options which is why she does what she does yeah i think that's what makes her a great antagonist i will say i am disappointed with how they use mother after the first season We'll get there when we get there. Let's just animate <laughs> season two, and then I'll, I'll give you about it. Um, so was there anything else you wanted to say? That was pretty much my most of my thoughts about Mother. Um, do you want to go ahead and share us your fourth? My fourth. Option? Yeah, so this one is a slight spoiler. Uh, so I'll just put that out there. From Adoka uh, Magica? Yes. Okay. So... Yeah, this next character from Madoka Magica, they're called Kyube. Kyube is a interdimensional being of sorts. Who, Little fox-like character. Yeah, kind of looks like a cat fox Pomeranian thing. <laughs> uh his design is pretty nifty. Yeah, highly intelligent, but has no emotion. Yeah. And his goal is to turn little girls into magical girls. Sounds innocent enough. 
until you figure out that the only reason he's doing it is so that he can harvest the energy of the magical girl turning into a witch, which is, and, and the witches essentially are just, just going to put that out there. <laughs> the fact well, that's that what, witches are magical girl, out that he's a huge spoiler. Well, okay. But this, this, Oh, okay. Yeah. That part, but this is how you figure <laughs> out that he's the antagonist. That's true. <laughs> you I, I did say spoiler alert. I, okay, no, no, but I said spoiler alert, and I didn't spoil everything. That's true. <laughs> uh, this isn't the only There's important one big spoiler. spoiler that's left to not get spoiled. There's a couple. There's like two other big spoilers. It, it, that's not the point, though. Anyway, Cubay, okay. <laughs> though, uh, and essentially, the witches are the beings that magical girls fight against. So they're yeah. kind of just fighting against themselves. Um, but the, he, his whole shtick is the sort of the, like the, you get a wish and you sell your soul in return type deal. And so I, I really like his character partly because he's so logical and, unemotional he doesn't understand that what he's doing is wrong uh, but also the fact that he's utterly determined to keep doing this <laughs> like he he does he goes about doing things in such a nonchalant way but he will do anything to keep it going type deal true i think the thing about Cubay that I really appreciate. Well, there's a small thing that I appreciate too. Just like how he can't die is interesting to me. Uh, that too. <laughs> that, that, that is just funny, honestly, to watch every <laughs> single time it happens. He like gets shot full and riddled with bullets and has holes all over his body. And then he just appears and eats his old self. It's like, uh, <laughs> what are you? <laughs> um, but the, the thing that I also really appreciate about him is that he kind of has this moral set that is, is obviously opposed to what most people stand for. Um, th that's what makes him an antagonist in a lot of ways. But mm -hmm. it's surprisingly, it has surprising parallels with history. So uh, hmm. to, to kind of talk about this a little bit more, just briefly because i think we could make an entire podcast episode about cubay um the his entire like philosophy is he hasn't told anyone about his motivations no one needs to know about his motivations all that mm. matters is he gave them a deal he said i can do this for you if you do this for me and i won't necessarily i won't force it upon you I won't highly encourage you to do it. I well, well, he'll he'll encourage them to do it, but he won't force it upon them. It's a hundred percent their choice. Mm -hmm. um, but he's not telling them why. So in his mind, it's okay because he's like they're doing it willingly. It is their choice. This is a a thing where you know people are volunteering to participate in this experiment, so to say. And the reason why I say this is like really parallel to history is there have been a lot of moments in scientific history where scientists have done ethically questionable things, which is why we have 
the set of laws that govern scientific research in modern modern day that we have in the United States here and in many countries in the world. But a lot of there are a lot of examples of, for example, United States government trials where they experimented on people that were quote unquote option uh, like opting into it, but without full knowledge of what was going on. And it really yeah. ruined their lives. So like this is the thing that that does happen. And it's 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 really interesting to me the parallels between Cube's motivation and the fact that he's made to seem so alien and like so like maniacal, but he's surprisingly a good parallel for a lot of things that do happen in real life. Yeah, and I, I think of anyone on our list here, Cube is the one that believes what he's doing is okay the most. Like he he utterly does not understand that what he's doing is harming people. Yeah, true. Uh, and I wouldn't I wouldn't say he derives joy out of this out of what he does necessarily. He he's very much well, he unemotional. Right. So it's no way for him to, um, to get joy. He's just like I need energy. And this is the best way for me to get energy. What's what's there to it? Right. And, and quite literally, he's the alien amongst the antagonists we've mentioned. Uh, he 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 just doesn't relate to human notions whatsoever. Yeah, I do really like the the idea that it is related to different historical events. I've never actually considered that. Yeah, the, the, the one example that got me thinking about it the most were the sterility experiments that happened in the United States. The what experiments? Sterility. St oh, sterility. Okay. But anyway. Cube is a great character. Right. Cube. Parallels to real life. <laughs> Back to topic. The American government sucks still. <laughs> we've gotten slightly less sucky, and in some ways, we've gotten slightly more sucky. Yeah. Yay. Moral of the story. <laughs> anyway, moving so on. The next character on our yeah, top your number list. four. Um, I'm on my number four. Oh, this will be one you'll enjoy talking about. So my next one is, in some ways, well, he's an antagonist, but in some ways, he's a very helpful antagonist. He is uh, Hisoka from Hunter <laughs> Hunter. <laughs> I think probably the best way to describe Hisoka is a helpful antagonist. Um. Which is weird to think about. <laughs> Those are uh, it's an oxymoron, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, Hisoka teaches us about like the whole Nen system, which is the magic system in, in Hunter Hunter. But Hisoka is another character that kind of reminds me a little bit like Askelad to an extent. Um, it's a bit different because. Maybe Oscalad is actually not the best yeah, parallel. I don't, I wouldn't describe Oscalad in him. Because Oscalad has like a moral stance that he really like believes in from his family history. And that kind of motivates him. That's definitely not Hisoka. No. Um, but Hisoka has like his own view on the world, like how he wants to be entertained, uh, what he takes pleasure and joy out of, and he doesn't really care how it happens. Uh, is in in my my way the easiest way to describe how he's an antagonist you you seem to be frowning do you just do you want to have your own 
Well, I'm not frowning. I, I agree with what you're saying, except the Oscalot part. Yes. Yes. Now um, that I said that out loud, I'm taking that back. <laughs> the parallel that I was originally thinking is the fact that, like, it's not that he's, like, really invested in... He doesn't really care about the main character. It's just that he's going to his... He's, like, he has his own goal in mind, and the main character just happens to provide him entertainment. So the way I like to think about him is a uh, kind of like a, a neutral antagonist or like a n- neutral chaotic type of person. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, he, like, like you were saying, he doesn't necessarily care about the main characters all that in in the way that most people would think, at least. Um he he only cares about what benefits himself and if that means yes. helping the main character he will do that uh and at the same time the the next moment if if it's better to double cross someone he'll do that as well yes uh but he doesn't actively impede people that's not what he's about he, his motivation isn't to become the strongest necessary well kind of actually his motivation is to fight strong people and i guess in that way become stronger but his he doesn't care about the philosophy of anyone else he doesn't care about the goals or accomplishments or anything that any other character is trying to achieve throughout the plot What's really fun for me, I think, about Hisoka in particular is, I mean, his obsession with Gon, I don't know if obsession is really the right word, but his interest in Gon. He is obsessed with Gon. Yeah, okay, it is, he, it is he, the right they, word. We he with gets a, quite a literal boner over Gon. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if he's gay, but... <laughs> I guess that doesn't really matter for him either. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. Especially because if that actually was sexual, he has some serious S&M like complexes going on. I think um, he just gets off to the potential he can see in someone. Yes, 100%. I mean, he gets off at the idea of like a death match between him and his opponent. Right, but not necessarily having the death match. Like the idea no. for him gets built up so heavily. Yeah, actually, now that we're talking about him, the more I think about it, maybe he's, he's not actually that good for this list. I, I guess technically, because he doesn't use. I think he actually helps Gon and Killua more than he impedes them. Now that I, I think, think about he, it, he helps them a little bit when they're first getting their like license. The license when he teaches them about Nen, which is like the second season, that, and that tournament arc thing, yeah, yeah. He also helps them in the third season when they go into that video game and he plays volleyball Does with he? them. Yes, he plays volleyball with them to the death. Does he? Sh- oh yeah, he's on their team though, so he's like helping them. Okay, uh, I that's may have like caught myself here. I don't think he's good for this list, but he's a great character. <laughs> I still think he's good for the list just for the fact that he's it's hard to explain. He he's he's on the, the the other guy's side. I don't I don't know how else to put it. Like 
he's very much a bad guy, but he won't. Maybe he isn't great for the list. We've made like he's he's part of he's part of the Phantom Troop. We know that Gon and Killua don't like him, but they will work with him if they need to. Uh, He's definitely killed many people, including people that Gon and Killua know. Yep. Him and since he's part of the Phantom Troop, Kurapika hates him. Even though they don't, I don't think we ever see them interact. Though you uh, see them briefly interact during the license, but he doesn't know. Corpico never learns that he's a part of the Phantom Troop. True. Uh, it, it's just his his philosophy and uh, well, maybe just his philosophy alone is opposed to Gon and Killua and so many other good guys that I consider him to be an antagonist. But now that I think about it, the people he ends up fighting with usually are other bad guys. Yeah. Other villains. Except a few cases uh, that we could point out. But This is very funny to me because Hisoka was a character that both of us thought of when we were individually making our, our top five lists to create our top ten. And I don't think either of us really thought this part of it through very much. Yeah, no. I mean, like, uh, originally I was, like, stuck between Hisoka and, like, Merim or somebody like that from Hunter x Hunter. Okay. The Ant, the Ant King. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I don't really like, like that guy too much, to be honest. That's a I, I really like Merim. I, I could talk all day about him. Um, but. Fine. Hisoka is so hard to pin down what type of character he is, which is why I consider him like a neutral, chaotic type of person. Like he's not, he's on nobody's side, but his his own. And he definitely likes chaos. Like he, he, he likes throwing a wrench in people's, either mentality or like physically trying to stop them or do something because he does kill people during the hunter exam but he kills people to help gone and Killua finish which is the weird part and so i'm i'm just trying to figure out if that counts as an antagonist yeah that's fair okay well we've talked he's so cut to death he's a very <laughs> complex character Uh, that is a very overview of very, very gross. That's a German word. That's not an English word. A very, very broad overview of Mm. who he is. Um, So check out (laughs) Hunter Hunter if you're curious, but I'm sorry, the series is not finished and never will be finished. I, I do want to read the manga. I know there's plenty more content to get into. Yeah, I I I'm torn back and forth about the manga because same reason like it's it's never going to be finished. Or at least I doubt it will be. Do you want to give us your fifth pick? Ninth overall. Yeah, so my last pick here is from a very popular series that many of you probably have seen even if you don't watch anime. Uh I, I chose someone from huh? 
that's a good one to end on. Yeah, so I chose someone from Attack on Titan, and this one is I'm gonna throw out the spoiler warning now. This is a relatively spoiler large warning. spoiler here. So you're you've been warned. Uh, so the person I chose for this last pick of mine is Reiner. Oh, this is this is where you gasp. Reiner is the armored titan. <laughs> hey, that's an extra spoiler. <laughs> that's an extra layer of spoiler. That's no, okay. Um, but yeah, so Ryan, I chose Reiner here because. He's another unique case in Antagonist in that he's the only person I've ever seen with like an actual decent depiction of split personality disorder. And so his whole thing is that, yes, he's the armor titan. He came to break down the walls and kill everyone inside, essentially. Uh, but after a while, after hanging out with the people within the walls, he starts to believe that he is one of them kind of deal. And so he he goes through these moments where he'll uh, just previously be, uh, and I'm thinking of Marco here. <laughs> this is also a slight spoiler. Marco dies. <laughs> um, Got eaten. Thanks to Reiner. So Reiner is the one who leaves him for dead. And then as Marco's being eaten, he switches back to his uh, person within the walls mentality. And he's like, why the hell is Marco being eaten? Like, why, why aren't we helping him type of thing? And he, it, this happens at multiple points throughout the story. And I think what really solidified this moment or like him being one of my favorite antagonists is he's, uh, well, first of all, he's he's just like such a tortured character as an antagonist, uh, and and I'm including parts about the manga too when I'm thinking about this, and I won't get into anything in the manga. It only gets worse for him. <laughs> but have we seen in the anime that kid who adores Reiner? What kid? The kid that's supposed to inherit the Titan from him. No, that's okay. Post anime. Okay. Will not um, touch on that. <laughs> but uh, there's a moment when he captured Aaron, and I think this is either this, uh, this might be the second season. But he's having a conversation with Aaron uh, after he wakes up, and Aaron's trying to understand, not really trying to understand, but he's criticizing Reiner for uh, like why he even decided to break down the walls and ruin everybody's lives. And mm -hmm. Reiner is like struck. This is where everyone figures out that he does have split personality disorder as well. But Reiner in the trees talking back and forth, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, Reiner is just like, he, the, the reason I call him a tortured soul is because uh, when he's talking to Aaron, he's like, why the hell would I want to do this? Why would I want to be a mass murderer and that type of thing? And he he's has such an inner struggle compared to anyone else on this list. Like we've talked about psychopaths, aliens, and just like chaotic people. 
This is the most down to earth person I think we have on this list. That's fair. Like there's no, he, he doesn't want to be doing what he's doing. He's doing it out of a sense of false heroism that he realizes in this moment is false. And he realizes the, that all the shit he's done is wrong and he can't stop because he's just in it too deep now. And that's why I call him a tortured soul because he hates himself. He hates everything he's done. He doesn't want to be a part of it anymore. He just wants to go home, but he can't leave. He has to complete his mission. So that's why I really like his character and they develop him. He's probably the most developed antagonist in attack on Titan. That's very true. Um, Unless, I mean, no, I won't say that, that it gets into the manga. Um, <laughs> uh, At least in the anime itself, he's still, uh, of the seasons that have aired, he is the most developed. Yes, yes. That I 100% agree with. There's maybe one more that gets developed further on later that I like more, but we can talk about that at a different time. The only thing I'll say on this subject still is uh, I, I have such a love-hate relationship with the Titan. Like I, uh, I don't really have that much else to add that what you said. Um, I do appreciate, though, all of the antagonists, I think, in this show. Each one to their own extent that they live in. And I think mm-hmm. the thing that Attack on Titan does so well is it's not a very long manga or show like it's like demon slayer has more published chapters than attack on titan had, yeah. um by a lot um, but so much more happens in attack on titan than demon that's slayer. so true that is 100 percent true and it's really interesting to me because all of the antagonists in attack on titan all have their own political game that they're playing i think that's probably the best way to put it mm-hmm. um and the thing that really entertains me about it is seeing when those political motivations overlap and when they don't. And Reiner is an interesting character in particular because, because of the fact that he has split personality, he kind of is playing a double game at the same time. And not only do his own two personalities conflict with each other, but sometimes they don't so there are like few instances where his split personalities both want to do the same things Mm -hmm. Um, and there are also instances where when they don't want to do the same thing they have two different allegiances like you kind of get the vibe in that exact conversation in the trees that you're talking about referencing where reiner absolutely hates aaron Mm -hmm. but then there are moments when he like has that like kind of kinship with aaron from like his recruit days Mm-hmm. and it's that's what makes reiner like i think in my opinion the best antagonist so far in the show is the fact that like the thing that makes the show so good the fact that they have such a well-developed political motivation for every single antagonist in the show from annie all the way to reiner um and then the fact that reiner has two of them that are both uniquely interesting is very <laughs> fascinating and very fun to watch uh develop yeah, and I, I would love to talk about how he's developed in the manga, but I will refrain. Maybe we'll do a manga episode sometime soon. 
Yes, please. We haven't done a manga recap in a while, and I've been reading some more, so we should we should do another manga recap soon. I'm down. So, shall we go to my last one? The last one for the night? Tenth pick overall. What do you got for us? I've got a fun one, and I left her up for last because is she she's actually the first female character? I didn't have any female characters, yeah. Yeah, first female character. And also another alien. Hey. <laughs> um, I am talking about Nui Harime from Kill a Kill. Ah, that yes. name doesn't ring any bells. She is the blonde, ponytailed, prancing, pink-dressed psychopath. Psychopath. Who carries around half of the scissors. Half of a scissor. Yeah, scissor. Um, so mild spoilers um, coming up for this show uh, because her existence isn't revealed at the beginning of the show and her existence kind of answers some questions that you have when the show first starts um, as well as answer some questions that you didn't know existed in the show um, <laughs> until they finally get answered, which is what makes Kill a Kill so good. Well, one of the reasons that makes Kill a Kill so good. Um, but I really like Nui Harime. Uh, for a variety of different reasons, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. The the biggest reason why I think she's such a good antagonist is very similar to a lot of the other things we've said, so I'll just get this one out of the way. The fact that she has a very simple rule about how she handles herself, and she just follows that rule. And it's just that she doesn't really follow any orders from anyone except for the two people that she has to follow his order from. Um, and so she just kind of goes around prancing and doing whatever the fuck she wants. And it is really <laughs> entertaining because some of the things that she wants to do are extremely grotesque. Or are <laughs> <laughs> um, And I think the thing that makes her character so funny to see on screen, and this is the main reason why I like her, is her character design is such a mockery out of like the entire premise of kill a kill like the main character in kill a kill has such like a dark past with such like a depressing uh history and a a depressing motivation for what she's trying to do right she's trying to avenge her father's death and all these sort of things um and she kind of has this build up throughout the plot of chasing her father's killer who's the worst person in the world and this super devious evil person. And then she comes across this ditzy, happy-go-lucky Nuri Harime who just happens to kill her father. And she's like, oops, I killed your daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do really appreciate how they depict her character as uh, just this jolly-go-lucky. Uh, it's the best it? type of anticlimactic reveal, in my opinion. Right. Because it's like she her entire persona is completely different from how Ryuka, is that her name again? Main character? Ryuka? Yeah. Okay. Uh, It's Ryuko. Ryuko. Thank you. Her, her entire persona, Nuri Harime's is the exact opposite of like what Ryuko expects and what the viewer is like anticipating building up to this big moment. But then once you fully appreciate Nuri, Nui Harime for who she is, and you understand her character, once she's finally been revealed, it really makes sense. 
and it's it's fascinating to me and it's so fun and it fits perfectly into the entire vibe of kill a kill which is just absolute ridiculous yeah i also really appreciate how they depict her visually and how like how they draw her specifically because a lot of the time uh there like you there's the normal animation you'll see between characters and then nui harume will come out of the corner in like this super old-fashioned 2d animation and she might like come floating down weirdly or like like just she the way they draw her doesn't adhere to the physics in the show no it, it does not, not that it, not that the show has a lot of physics but it kind of does sometimes um not not all the time <laughs> i think the only two people that like really destroy the physics of the show are her and mako yes uh yeah mako was on my favorite characters list um i I really love her character anyway but nui the the way that like i was saying the way they draw her is is very um what what what's what's the word the like a adverse or is adverse the word i'm looking for it's it's just adverse to the way they draw everyone else on the show yeah and it adds to the sense of ridiculousness of the character and the anticlimactic reveal like yeah not not reveal but like her her character is sort of a comic relief character so she oh yeah she 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 breaks decorum essentially every time she's on screen and that's that's what i really like about her one really good example of this is when she's first introduced there's a fight sequence where someone tries hitting her and when she dodges it she doesn't jump out of the way she like springs into the air without using her legs she just like suddenly jumps and she spins but the the illustrators slash animators uh do this weird thing where i mean everything in in this show is 2d right like everything yeah, yeah. Is 2D I, mean, I know what you're talking about um, but they don't show like a 2d animation of someone spinning they animate her like she's a piece of paper like an actual yeah, so... two-dimensional object <laughs> and spin her <laughs> yeah in didn't 2D realize animation. 2d could get 2d 2d <laughs> Like it's it's so funny. Uh, it's it's absolutely hilarious. And I think the other another sequence that really uh, made me appreciate her character is when she gets her arms cut off by Ryuko. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think the thing that really entertains me about it is she's not like, "Fuck, my arms are gone." She's like, "Those things were useful. <laughs> <laughs> now they're gone." It's like she like lost like. A screwdriver <laughs> like some helpful tool <laughs> and she's just bleeding profusely and she's like but i liked them they were helpful to me yeah uh, there, there's a reason why she can be that way yeah uh, there is there is i mean every and, and the thing me. that's so awesome about this show is it's ridiculous in a lot of ways but it's not ridiculous just be ridiculous everything has an explanation to it that makes sense in the show and it's mm-hmm. so well done. I Kill a Kill, I think, is actually one of my top ten anime of all time. Like I the more I Ooh. talk about Kill a Kill, the more I like. <laughs> I do want to rewatch. 
I kind of feel like I need to check what my score is on Mal and probably not high enough. I know I gave it a nine. I think I gave it a nine. I might want to reconsider that. <laughs> have you seen both the sub and dub? I have not seen the dub. The dub is hilarious. You got to watch that one if you rewatch it again. I'm a little nervous about that. Okay. Why? Just because it's dub? Y- yeah. There's certain dub things that are good, though. We know this. There's That's specific. Yeah, Kill a Kill, I would also suggest watching the dub for. Okay, I'll check it out. So, although the way they say nudist beach in Japanese is much hilar- much more like hilarious and funny. Fair. <laughs> nudist <laughs> beach! <laughs> oh man, you must get a kick out of this. <laughs> I, I used to just say that all the time when I first saw <laughs> the anime. <laughs> just nudist beach. I'd just be in a room with some friends and I'd just yell out <laughs> like nudist beach this. <laughs> Greatest organization in all of anime. <laughs> But yeah, that's 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 Nui Nui had a He's great. Um, those were now our top ten antagonists in anime. Um, there were quite a few that didn't make the list. So for any yes, of our listeners out there, if you felt like you had some that should have made the list, let us know. We probably agree with you and disagree with you because we obviously didn't include them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'd love to hear uh, what you guys think about which characters in anime should have made this top antagonist list. Maybe we'll replace Hisoka with one of them. So let us know. But in the meantime, we have a new episode of Somali to get to. Yes. Shall we dive right into it? Let's boogie. We will be right back with our impressions and our thoughts for this newest episode of Somali Tomori. Be right back. And we're back. We just finished episode five of Somali and the Forest Spirit, and we have thoughts. Uh, Do you want to lead us in, Stan? What is your overall immediate reaction to the episode? How does it jive for you? I was very pleased with this episode. There were several things that we wanted uh, the last time we were talking about this, and they delivered this episode. I really appreciated, uh, like I said, all all the aspects to this episode. Glad we got to see some new characters, learn some new things about the world. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, very good I episode. That. For me, I totally agree with you there. Um, I think the biggest thing that they revealed that we wanted to see a lot more of was some sort of interaction with humans, right? So we now mm-hmm. have a new human character which is even more than what we wanted, right? We just wanted to know like something about humans, but now we have another human. 
Yeah, so it was pretty great. I'm, I'm pretty happy that they delivered on that front. So it really looks like they're starting to ramp up the whole, I don't know, humans being involved in the plot aspect of this show. So yeah, I'm, I was very pleased to see that. I'm also really curious about the disease that, mm. what was his name? Uh, Uzoi is the, the harpy that we met, right? Yeah, it's and, like High Torty or something is the dude feather human okay feather eye <laughs> i would call him feather eye sure this is my nickname for him because i don't remember his name because i don't remember it um okay let's go with that <laughs> yeah feather eye uh, i'm very inter- i'm very interested in his disease actually because i i'm curious as to how he got the disease i mean Uzoi mentioned the fact that her mother died because of an illness. I'm speculating potentially that that illness is the same thing that's affecting him now. And I'm wondering that's if he got it thinking. from the harpies or if he gave it to his her mother on accident. Wonder if I had to bet, I would say that he got it from the mom because the Uzoi said that he was sort of always there taking care of her kind of thing. So I feel like he came and somehow helped out the mom and in the process got this disease. Yeah. It, it seems to have harpy origin because he's coughing up feathers. So Yeah, exactly. And he has freaking feathers growing out of his, what was it? His, uh, his eye and his right ear. Eye. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me. Um, about the two new characters, before we actually get too much into the head canony, what do you think about the two of them? Who do you like both of them? Uh, do you think there was anything bad about their characters in particular? So far, they're doing well in my book. Uh, I still want to wait and see a little bit more of their character and motivations before I make a full judgment on who they are. But first That's impressions great. are uh, uh, positive so far. Uh, they seem to have. I, I really liked how they were drawing parallels between like their weird companionship and how much they cared for each other, compared to Somali and the Golem and that type of thing. So it was just sort of a the other side of the coin of a wholesome couple. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting that they kind of flip the dynamic a little bit on its head. I mean, he still kind of acts like a father to Uzoi, but Uzoi is taking care of him. Right. Like she's Mm -hmm. the one making the decisions on where they're going and who they're going to travel with. She's the one who decides to invite Somali and the Golem. She's the one who wants to help cure him. And she's the one kind of working for him as opposed to the Golem who's really working in uh, for uh, Somali's sake. Mm -hmm. So I I do like that that dynamic is flip flopped. And I'm really curious to see why it is. Well, I'm, I'm curious to see what they're conflict is right because between somali and the golem the conflict is the fact that the golem can't really find his way to tell somali that he's going to be passing away soon and somali wants to stay with him forever right mm-hmm. that's that's pretty much their conflict and i'm curious to see what uh Uzois and feather eyes is going to be uh whether it's like feather eye is like not willing to do what's needed to cure his disease or something like that i don't know well, so I think they're drawing a more direct 
parallel to Gollum, in fact. So since the Gollum only has like a year left to live, I'm thinking that this other human has a terminal illness or something. Yeah, and he also has a short amount of time to live. I'm guessing it's probably going to be on the span of like weeks or months. And yeah, I, shorter what, than the Gollum, it seems. What I'm speculating is that they're probably going to the way that this like new episodic arc is going to conclude is by him passing away and the Gollum having to try and see what it's going to be like when he has to pass away and Somali has to deal with Ooh. his absence. Well, that's, that's where that I be, think it's going to end. That could be some real nice character growth, actually. Uh, I would like to see that as harsh as, the, as that might sound <laughs> for this other human. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I do I do have like some I mean this isn't really an issue. This is just like kind of a complaint for complaint's sake, to be quite frank. Um mm-hmm. but I, I kind of am a little annoyed at the fact that it's so obvious a parallel to Somali and the Golem. <laughs> like it's literally here is exactly the same situation just maybe fast forward a year from where Somali and the Golem are right now and they could right. basically be these two mm-hmm. it, it is a little contrived in that way uh, I'm fine That's with it. <laughs> it yeah I, I wasn't expecting anything more than that like that seems about right where the show wants to be in terms of writing and predictability and i think i think it's okay for what it's trying to do that's fair we did have to say uh well we actually skipped over this part of the episode we had to say goodbye to kikila yeah yeah that was that was a little little sad little debbie downer there but i think it was time I, yeah. I wanted to see some new characters, and I'm glad uh, we moved on. I am too. The arc in the Ant City was definitely it definitely run its course. Um, I I'm getting almost a little bit of a Golden Boy vibe now from this show, but not in the like mm. hilarious uh, etchy way. In instead in the Moe adventure way, uh, <laughs> but in the same type of idea where it's like main character or characters in this case travel from place to place finding people that influence them along the way maybe it's going to be somewhat similar to golden boy in the sense that at the end of it they kind of have a sequence where we kind of check in on people and we see everyone again yeah that would be cool i like maybe maybe at the one one fun thing that could happen at the end of the entire series is if Somali comes to terms with Gollum's passing and then she goes back and she visits all the people that helped her along the way with her journey with Gollum. Yeah. I mean, maybe she can go and live with some of them too, possibly. Which uh, brings me to another point that I was really happy about. The fact that someone else finally discovered Somali's a human. Yeah. Also something <laughs> that finally that happened. Have happened. Yeah. I think it was, uh, we could see it from a mile away. Again, this was an easy thing to predict, especially with uh, the Harpy's reaction initially. I I don't think anything about the plot of this show is super creative, and I don't think that's really the point. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that that was sort of eh, but uh, I was happy to see it finally happen. I very much agree. Uh, I think the fact that literally everything at the end of last episode that we were saying like. I feel like this has to happen soon or else I'm going to have some problems with the show literally happened this episode. Mm-hmm. So the only thing I can say is like props to the, uh, the people, the anime staff who adapted this, they did a really good job at the pacing. It seems. Yeah. So they, they understand <laughs> when they literally understand how shift. slow that they can go mm-hmm. in order to really make you experience the journey, but without getting bogged down in how long it's taking. Right. I think that's a, perfect way to put it actually oh why thank you sometimes i'm good with words <laughs> maybe i'm maybe i'm good at podcasting who knows <laughs> yeah it's unfortunate for me because i i am fluent in zero languages hey man there's still two more than me what Okay. So Somali. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um I don't remember what I was gonna say. <laughs> we were talking about the pacing. Um but um an- the other thing that I can think of that I want to talk about off the top of my head is some more of the character design. Mm. Um, the RP character is really the only character to really talk about in terms of this. You could talk a little bit about the disease that the new human character has, um, but it's such a small detail that I don't really care too much about the design of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's kind of cool that he has feathers growing out of his face and ear and whatever, but like, meh, whatever. It's not a very grandiose thing. Um, yeah, no, it wasn't designed super detailed like no um the harpy though i was saying when we first met her that i really like the design and you weren't really sold on it until she like went whole like she more on uh (laughs) yeah so i think her normal form is all right uh i don't dislike it per se but it, it is a little bland to me uh okay almost like a cookie cutter design i feel like um i did like when she morphed at the end and they they really uh, accentuate well i don't know if she actually i'm guessing she actually got larger wings and teeth and everything yeah she flexed out her wings and bared her teeth that is definitely true yeah i I really like how they accentuated all of her features at that point Uh, and that's what i really liked about her design I will say I really like the eyes that they make in the show very often. I know that you often take issue with uh, some of the shows that we've seen where they take artistic liberty with the, <laughs> the eyes that they illustrate. But uh, I think between the little demon the uh, and the harpy now, it's really interesting seeing all the different types of eyes that you get. And then also the single eye from the golem. Like, I think the thing that's most impressive to me about the character design in each one of these episodes are the colors that they use and the eyes. I I do like the eye design here. It's not out of left field, 
for uh, shapes and colors and everything. They're also like fantasy uh, beasts slash fantasy creatures. So like there right, is so a basis in lore for uh, appreciating the fact that they're going to be very different in appearance. Right. It, it makes more sense for what they are. Uh, but I, I liked them here. Uh, again, they do a good job with making the eyes expressive uh, and a lot with the entire facial expressions and that type of thing. So I really... I really appreciate what they've done in terms of that character design aspect. Yeah, I totally can get by that. Uh, the cave is also really gorgeous, but it felt to me a little too similar to the like underground ant area. Um, yeah, that's how I felt about the city they came into. So the yeah, the it looks a lot like era, right? I, I thought it was cool that they were inside a, a dormant volcano, but when they zoomed into the actual buildings, I couldn't really distinguish it from the ant hole city. I think part of that might be on purpose because they are still in the same geographic region. So it's totally possible that like, you know, it's like, for example, if you travel to like a foreign country, I'm just going to say Germany in my case, just because I've spent a lot of time there. But if you go from Germany, there's a very distinctly different architecture for most buildings than there is in the United States. There's a lot of things that are like very uniquely German buildings and it'll change a little bit for sure as you go from north to south. But like if you go from like Cologne to Berlin, like that's maybe not the best example, Cologne to to like Leipzig, two completely different cities on opposite ends of the country. The houses are going to look almost identical in architecture. So I think to me, it's maybe not the worst Mm -hmm. thing in the world that the architecture looks identical in these two cities that like the cities you could totally confuse them just from outwards appearance but if that persists past these two i'm gonna call some shenanigans here yeah i i think this was actually the weakest aspect of this episode in a fantasy series like this there's no reason to adhere to normal (laughs) like opposite ends of the country cities like make each city and like unique and individual. We're only yeah. going to see it for a few episodes. Uh, That's most likely. Uh, and it would be better. It would better help distinguish this arc from the previous one. Cause otherwise it starts to blend together. if All the backgrounds look the same. I think the other thing to point out is one of the first things that's, that was most striking for us was in episode one, that city that they were in and the amount of like time that they spent on like the coloring in the background of the cities. And even in episode two, when they were with the little demons and they're in the forest and seeing all the detail in the forest and mm-hmm. vibrant colors and all the contrast that they have. Now it's getting all very, very bland. They are in a desert. It is supposed to be a little bit monotonous in color. It is a desert after all. So I, I'm like willing to give them leeway for these few episodes and we'll see what happens in the upcoming ones once they get out of the desert area. But mm-hmm. I think the thing that's starting to set off alarm bells more than anything else is the fact that this cave feels so similar to the underground ant area. Like yeah. this could literally just be a new section of the underground ant living quarters area. Yeah, that that was sort of a, another disappointment for me as well. It, Color, the color palette seemed the same, and then the way they spread out the crystals just 
and how they were glowing reminded me of the flowers that were glowing in the field that they were yes. just in. Yeah, but we'll see. I have hope. Uh, I have hope too. It's just this one episode. This is the first time this has happened, so not too that is, critical that is of it. That it's, You're 100% correct that this is kind of the first time that we have the ability to critique this. Plus, everything that we're saying is super nitpicky when yeah. it comes to our <laughs> critique. So... Like in the grand scheme of things, this is a good episode, in my opinion, because like all the things that we're saying are like just we continue to feel just like warm hearted excitement Mm -hmm. about their journey and interest now about humans, too. So not only are we getting like the enjoyment of just like fucking Moe Somali and lovely, wonderful daddy Gollum. But we're also getting the curiosity behind humans and what it means to be human and who, where all these humans are. And now these sicknesses that humans can be afflicted by. Mm-hmm. So we we went on about small eyes more. We did a little bit of headcanon. Do you have any other headcanon that you can share? Uh, well, we know they're not going to kill Somali. So I'm curious to see the reasoning why uh what was her name ozoi uzoi uzoi yeah uzoi i, I want to see i however that's pronounced uzi uzoi yeah uh i want to see her motivation for backing down and i want it to be a good one i, I don't want none of this like you now talk no jutsu Somali. for five seconds, and then she's like, "Okay, I'm I'm gonna back down now." I w- I want it to be like compelling. Yeah, I can get by that. It's interesting that they decided to threaten Somali's life like this in the show because I'm kind of curious to see why they wanted to do that. Because I mean, Somali has like the biggest plot armor I've ever seen in any show ever. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they're 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 not trying to build up well, I guess they're sort of were trying to build up suspense. Uh but there there's no tension. I don't I don't feel any yeah foreboding anything. So and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It'll depend on what they do next episode, and they have to give like a good reasoning for Uzoi's motives what she's trying to do and it's going to be less about the tension of somali's life and it's going to be more about the curiosity of learning what the circumstances are for uzoi and and feather eyes uh life that drove them here right and i think that that's the part that i want to see most and i think that's what matters the most i agree i definitely agree so if you're going to give this a mouse score what are you going to give this episode Fucking nine out of ten. I love nine it. out of ten. I'm gonna go that high. That's I'm pretty big. It. That's pretty big. I really enjoyed all the new things. Like we said, like everything that we wanted to have happen this episode happened. Uh, pacing was on point. You're correct. Those are all things we wanted to have happen. Um, I can't really disagree with you there. <laughs> God damn but, it! Oh, do you want a drum roll to hear? I'll give our listeners three seconds here to guess. Am I going to agree with Tyson or am I going to disagree? Hmm. Think about this for a brief moment. What, what do you think, Stan? Am I going to agree with you? Is it a nine? 
Yeah, you're gonna agree with me. Yeah, I agree. It's a nice <laughs> <vibe> too. <laughs> How nice. Um, I I'm gonna basically say basically the same things that you did, so I'm not gonna repeat them. I think the big thing for me is the fact that the we were exactly exactly what we wanted at the end of at last episode is what we are getting this episode. And so like why could I not say that it's great? I will say um if the nitpicks that we brought up today persist or grow mm. um and like become the cancerous tumor for this epi- for this series it will fall pretty fast in my book cuz i think if i already if it really bothered me about the backgrounds i would already give it a 7 cuz i okay. think the art style is so important to the atmosphere of this show just the way that they mm-hmm. came out swinging with it that if yeah, they yeah. start slacking on it, it is going to severely detriment, uh, it'd be a severe detriment to my appreciation of it. Yeah, that we can agree on. Well, what did we well, not we agree already on? Agreed on that, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I concur. With that, do you have any final thoughts? Nope. Well, We'd be curious to hear what you all thought about Somali Tomori episode five. Are you equally happy with all the things that they fed us this episode? Were you also yearning for these types of cravings, learning about humans, seeing this new dynamic between Uzoi and Feather Eye? Do you remember Feather Eye's name? Message us. We would like to know his <laughs> name. Uh, you can send us a DM. You can send us an email, imbibeananime at gmail.com. You can reach us on Twitter, imbibeananime. Thanks for cracking open a fresh episode. This has been Imbibin Anime. Join us next week. Cheers to you. Peace.